hopefully sound is on you can hear hear me well let me know in the chat if everything is good last time uh, I heard the sound came in a little hot so hopefully this is good don't be shy same on the Facebook Philippines. Hello, David from the Philippines. Romania. Chefache Michaela Angel. Michaela Angel. Sorry. Hello from Utah. Nairobi. Wow. This is a uh, Germany. Wow, this is a global broadcast already. So excited. Okay, so I think if the sound is good, let me know. Uh, Everyone, if the sun is good, if you hear me well, if it's not too hot or too cold, uh, either on the Facebook or on the YouTube. One, one, two, one, two. Sound is good. Thank you, Julie. All right. So uh, without further ado, we'll, we'll start. I think. Okay. There we go. And we're on. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kabbalah Explained Simply. I'm Leo Spiegler. I'm broadcasting from uh, B'nai Baruch Center here in Petah Tikva in Israel. And I'm very happy to be here with you today. Uh, today in Kabbalah Explained Simply, we're going to continue, actually, something we started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I took advantage of the fact that I, uh, the last uh, session we did was only two weeks ago. So hopefully it's still warm in your heads and your hearts, and we can go deeper into the study of the Ten Sfirot, or Talmud Esos Sfirot in Hebrew, Tess for short. This is how it, you'll find it in the archive in Kabbalah Media. Uh, obviously... Uh, if you have questions, write them in the chat. We have uh, friends ready to collect your questions. They're going to sort them out, put them up for me. We can, we can work with the questions. In fact, the questions are what will make this lesson. The question, the deficiency, is what makes a Kabbalah lesson um, all that it can be. Because I'm only a vessel here I'm only here to facilitate this connection between you and the upper light and this connection happens with the deficiency of the students so it really is all about your questions so please ask we're gonna go deeper into tests two weeks ago we started 
we uh, covered a little background. I'll, I'll do a little recap for those of you who are seeing it for the very first time. Uh, this session is also going to be followed by a one-hour Zoom exclusive for CUBU uh, students. So if you're not a student, uh, I can't stress it enough, sign up. Uh, I don't think it costs anything to sign up. You have, you'll find links in the chat for everything you need to know, all the starter courses. It's easy, it's simple to start making your way into this wisdom. And with good reason, because this wisdom really, for me, I found that it explains everything. It, you really, you watch your life make sense uh, with this uh, with this wisdom. So, uh, you know, sometimes you realize that you cannot control everything around you, but if you can understand why it's happening and what's the end goal, that already gives you a sense of comfort, some confidence. So many people out there today in the world are running around confused. They're not sure what's going on, what is happening, why is it happening, why somehow the world is not doing exactly what they thought it should be doing. Uh, people, uh, at least people my age, certainly people who are uh, older, even young people, actually everyone, come into this world and they have a certain expectation based on how they were raised at home. And if you live in a okay, you know, developed country, if, if you're connected here, then I assume you have access to the basic necessities of life and you grow up thinking I go to school I get a job I go to I get higher education perhaps I do better at work I start a family I travel the world I I do different things I explore life I gradually find out the meaning of life maybe maybe not maybe I'm just pursuing a lot of pleasures all those plans suddenly um, are met with a reality that is not exactly as we planned it 50 years ago that was indeed the trajectory everybody pretty much followed the same trajectory 200 years ago if you were born to a cobbler then most likely you'll grow up to be the son of a cobbler um, my family probably a few hundred years ago were making mirrors that's the name spiegler so if i were born a few hundred years ago i would probably go to make mirrors and that's what i would i would be doing but today the the human ego has grown so much has developed has uh, really taken over the world we're so interconnected interdependent and nature is kicking us into gear into a new mode of existence and that's why the world that we see today doesn't really fit with the traditional plans of our ego uh, the way they worked 50 40 30 20 years ago everything started to change really from the mid 90s there has been a steady uh, change in uh, every area of human endeavor it's almost as if we've hit a wall of sorts we've hit a wall in uh, in science in education in industry in um, technology even in relationship in trade in commerce in politics yes we're still still doing things but it's not the same level of development the 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 the, the graph is somehow flattened so yes there are some changes you do read about AI and uh, Elon Musk is trying to get to Mars but things are slowing down and if you actually talk to people in each area which we've done and we have a lot of great talks by the way between Dr. Michael Eichmann and people at the top of their game in different in, in areas of human endeavor scientists technologists industrialists business people you'll see that everybody feels that it's kind of not moving in the same pace that it used to something is changing and what is changing our uh, human desire is out of sync with 
the direction that nature is taking and that that uh, gap between the egoistic desire of I want more I will I'll just get more I'll take more at the expense of certain things certain people the planet everyone else for that matter that plan is no longer working and nature is demanding us to start working in an interdependent interconnected manner the way we already are and the gap between nature's plan and our uh, sort of automatic um, uh, engine of the ego, the gap between those two is creating a sense of crisis. And that crisis is felt in every area of human endeavor, including on the still vegetative and animate degrees in nature. It's no coincidence, uh, that it's, no, it's no coincidence that we're feeling more, we're seeing more earthquakes and more tsunamis and more forest fires and extreme weather. And it, it's not one thing. It's not, oh, it's carbon emission and that's, we've just fixed that, everything is going to fall into place. No, it's sort of a systemic failure including the recent war between Russia and Ukraine, uh, seemingly uh, out of the blue, thinking that such a, such a, um, in a, a violent interaction between people will, will not repeat itself. Less than 100 years from World War II, we're on the brink of World War III. Not trying to scare anyone, but this is really where we are. So if you think about it, you see that we are not really moving towards a better existence for humans. We're moving into a very precarious time. And it's funny if you think about it, because we have all the resources, all the means, all the technology in our hands to make life great for everyone on this planet. 8 billion people, 10 million people, 20 billion people. We can uh, provide a great life for them. And we're not doing this. Why? Because of the human desire. And Kabbalists have been talking about it. They have been uh, writing about it. They have attained the sort of the complete uh, plan of nature. They went from uh, the A state, if you will. Those of you who probably heard those terms uh, are familiar with it. If not, we'll explain some of them. They went from the A state, from the very beginning, the thought of creation, all the way down to the state of this world and all the way up to the final state, the C state. So A, B, C, those three states that we exist in, Kabbalists in attainment have attained all those degrees. Some of them have attained all the way up to the very top of the ladder, if you will. Uh, but they've attained it individually. But we're entering a time called the general correction, where everyone in the world is going to have to start to do it as well. And that's what makes this time very special. And so if you're listening to this, you are in a very special place in your life. And whether or not you continue with Kabbalah, it doesn't really matter. All of humanity is going to have to start to make changes and where we came from where we're going to how to move on these uh, on this um, sort of uh, trajectory how to climb the ladder all the way up to the end of correction to the final thought of creation this is what Kabbalah speaks of and the one book that outlines the mechanics of all of it is called the study of the ten sefirot test Talmud uh, in Hebrew, the study of the ten sefirot, because this is what exists in reality, this structure of the sefirot. And there's a lot of misconceptions about it. Uh, we're going to try to relieve some of that. And obviously, if you have questions, please send them in uh, on anything from the beginning of creation all the way to where we get to today. So last week, we talked about this, this book that was written by the student of DRE. And it was uh, written based on the words of the Ari. Uh, that book was called Etz Chaim. And it was written by his student Chaim. Chaim Vital Kabbalists write books and they kind of put their names into the books. And uh, 
that book really signaled a, a radical shift in how uh, Kabbalists study Kabbalah and the science of Kabbalah. It really marked a new way of looking at the spiritual um, system. For the first time, it, it, it really uh, uh, stepped up the relationship between the Kabbalists and the system, and it matched the state of the human ego. Just like in the 16th century and beyond, we, humanity started to move into the Renaissance, into the uh, Enlightenment, and uh, a new way of thinking and looking at the world and uh, new technologies, and eventually uh, leading to the Industrial Revolution and then Technological Revolution and all the rest of it. All this really kind of kicked in around the time that the Arir um, gave his uh, complete system of the upper worlds. And it's no, it's no wonder that this, this system fits the way we perceive the world and see the world today. Uh, very logical, very precise. And although we probably won't understand much of what is written in it, the desire to understand is what's important. So uh, I'll just go quickly over a couple of things that we've um, we covered uh, just to, to kind of bring you into this, uh, into this world. So, uh, this, oh, wait a second, I gotta bring this. There you go. So, uh, these are the uh, Ari and Chaim Vital. On the left is the Ari, an illustration, a drawing of him, a painting of him, and then Chaim Vital, his student on the right. And the Ari's book, Etz Chaim, opens with this um, enigmatic, but really beautiful and kind of um, cosmic uh, little, almost almost like a poem, uh, if you will. And it says, Know that before the emanated beings were emanated and the created beings created, an upper simple light had filled the entire reality. There was no vacant place, such as uh, empty air and space, but everything was filled with a simple, boundless light. It did not have a quality of Vosh, head, or Sof, ending, but it was all one simple light, completely even, called light of Ein Sof, the light of no ending. That's the, um, that's the, uh, those are the opening lines of the Ari. And the Ari starts from the highest point and he starts to lay the development of the world. This is uh, all based on what he attained because Kabbalists only speak uh, and only write about what they attained. That's a, one great thing about true Kabbalists, they don't write about what they think, they don't write about what they feel, they don't write about what they wish they had attained, they write only about what they attained. And the word to attain in Hebrew, hasaga, is from the word to actually reach out and grab something, like lasig. And it's, it's as if it's in their hand, that's how they write about it. And that's what the uh, Ari did, and the Kabbalists who attained these worlds, they all attain the same thing. It's like if you, tr if I travel to London and I tell you about London and then you travel to London, yes, your perception of London is going to be your subjective perception, but you will see pretty much what I've outlined for you. You will see, you know, the, the Tower and Big Ben and the London Eye and all the other things and the Thames. You'll see all those things. Not sure why I chose London. It's just because there's a Shamati article about it. Uh, but this is, this is why... Um, uh, Kabbalists write those things. They sort of share their findings with other Kabbalists. But we, who are not in attainment yet, we can also uh, yearn to attain. And that's the important thing. And um, Baal Sulam wrote uh, this, we'll write from the introduction to this, another great 
uh, um, essay uh, that Baal Sulam wrote. So Baal Sulam, as I mentioned last time, he wrote about, he kind of took the Etz Chaim, the book that the, the, the Ari left and his student wrote, and he opened it up even further for us. He made it more accessible. He added his own commentary and his own sort of uh, elaboration, trying to help us, uh, mere mortals, uh, as it were, to, uh, to understand what the Ari was talking about. Again, to help us kind of build the correct desire in us, the correct yearning, so we can also um, c connect our hearts to the place the Ari writes from. And it's very important, and he writes the following, The student pledges prior to the study to strengthen himself in faith in the Creator and in his guidance in reward and punishment. As our sages said, your employer is liable to pay you the reward for your work. One should aim one's labor to be for the mitzvot of the Torah, and in this way he will be rewarded with enjoying the light in it, and his faith will strengthen and grow through the power in this light. As it is written, it shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. Then one can be certain that from lo lishma he will come to lishma, in a way that even one who knows about himself that he has not been rewarded with faith still has hope through the practice of Torah, for if he sets his heart and mind to attain faith in the Creator through it, there is no greater mitzvah than this. It is as our sages said, Chavakuk came and stressed only this, a righteous shall live by his faith. So I, I want to spend a few minutes on this because there are a lot of words here that immediately they, they, kind of, they trigger all these bells and, 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 and warning lights in your head, depending on your background. If, you're a, if you were raised in a more traditional religious background, Jewish, Christian, uh, probably there's some words that sound like, oh, I heard, I know these words. Well, you don't know these words. So <laughs> let's just put it on the table. Uh, all those words are the, used, uh, are using the language of the branches. So it's a branch in the corporeal world that relates to its spiritual root. And that's how Kabbalists describe things. Instead of inventing a whole other language to describe what they find, kind of like mathematicians who need to invent certain symbols to describe things like the root of minus one, or oh, there's no number, we'll call it I. Okay, so they invent a language to describe it. Kabbalists didn't need to invent a language, they had a language ready. It's called it's this language, this spoken Hebrew language, actually it relates exactly to the roots, the spiritual roots of all those elements, the forces, the spiritual forces. So they have a representation in this world, which is not the same, but if you know how to read it, if you understand it, then you can begin to glimpse the world that the Kabbalists describe. So, Baal says that before the study, and we're going to study today from Tess, we're going to read from Tess, the student pledges to strengthen himself in faith in the Creator. What does that mean? Oh, I have to believe in the Creator? No. Faith is the quality of bestowal. So, faith... Hold on, let's put this... Put this... So, faith... Just so you have some a little glossary as we go. Faith equals bestowal. So, it's a quality. You either attain it and you receive it, and then you can measure how much bestowal you have by the quality of faith. Okay, so it's not, oh, I, I have to believe more. No, there's no belief in Kabbalah. You have to attain more. So, how do you strengthen yourself in faith in the Creator? You have to make efforts towards bestowal. Bestowal meaning to give, to love, to care for the other more than I care for myself, right? 
So these are, these are the things that we practice in a Kabbalistic group. In case you're wondering what's going on there, what, what are they doing? It's that. So you have to strengthen yourself in that. Meaning before you study, you have to have a reason to study. The reason being, I want to reach bestowal. I wanna, I'm trying to bestow. I'm trying to reach this level where I care about the other more than I care about myself. Love your friend as yourself. And I love myself the most, more than anyone. So I need to love him or her more than I love myself meaning more than everything. This is impossible. Or is it? And that's what Kabbalists tell us. You make efforts in that direction, you begin to draw the reforming light that works on you. And this, by doing this, you strengthen, your faith, uh, you strengthen uh, yourself in faith in the Creator and in His guidance in reward and punishment, meaning that I'm, if I'm going to work in efforts towards bestowal, I'm going to get more of that light. That's the, re the reward that we're talking about. And if I'm not, I'm going to remain more in my will to receive as an animal, which is the way we live our lives today. As our sage just said, your employer is liable to pay you the reward for your work. One should also, important to say, so creator, let's put it here, so creator is also not some, right, some bearded, no, it's uh, the force it's the ultimate force, the upper force of love and bestowal. So that's the Creator. So you see why, why faith in the Creator is, is actually the feeling of the Creator. So the, the, the more you are in bestowal, the more you are in equivalence of form with the Creator, the more you feel the Creator. You can say, I, I have this much faith. Why? Because I have attained this much of the Creator, because I've made this much effort in the stole and the light shone on that effort and made that connection. It corrected my desire, my naturally egoistic desire. So that's so the employer is liable to pay you the reward for your work. One should aim one's labor to be for the mitzvot of the Torah mitzvah. So here's another word. Mitzvah is commandment. Command command so what is a commandment it's not thou shall not do this and that that's what we learn in school no so a mitzvah is a way for you to connect with the one who commanded it hametzaveh meaning it's a correction so mitzvah is hold on so mitzvah is correction so any, so I have 613 desires, different desires that I need to correct. Every correction is a mitzvah, is another way to connect to the one who commanded this, this, uh, this work. One should aim one's labor to, for the mitzvot of the Torah. The Torah, again, what is the Torah? Torah is several meanings, because the root is o, it's from the word o, also from the word ho'a'a. So this is light, this is instruction, instruction, yeah. So all these things are what the Torah is. So those are the corrections that we make according to the instructions that we receive. And in this way, this way he will be rewarded with enjoying the light in it. And his faith will strengthen and grow through the power in his in this light, as it is written, it shall be health to your navel, marrow to your bones. Then one can be certain that from Lolishma, so Lolishma, 
and Lishma, those two words, right? From Lo Lishma, he will come to Lishma. So Lo Lishma is not for her name and for her name. Her being the Torah. So Torah. Okay. And this one, Lo Lishma means in order to to receive and lishma means to bestow so when I make actions any action that I make which is lo lishma means I still oh you can see it to receive to bestow so any action that I make lo lishma is still with the intention to receive something I do something I'll do whatever the creator is saying but I hope to receive something that's lo lishma and when I'm already relieved from this conditioning I'm already working in lishma and even one who knows about himself that he has not been rewarded with faith still has hope through the practice of Torah. For if he sets his heart, if he sets his heart and mind to attain faith in the Creator through it, there is no greater mitzvah than this. A righteous shall live by his faith. Okay, so so this is the this is what uh, Baal Sulam uh, gave us, basically this um, this preparation from the introduction to this. And then, uh, last time, we read a little bit about inner observation. So today, we're not going to read from the beginning of test. We're going to read a little bit from uh, inner uh, observation. Uh, so there's text. I'm going to be reading it. I, what I want you to do is, first of all, try to understand it. Because this is the place where Baal Salaam makes a, a great deal of effort to try to make it clear to the student. So even though the, the real study is a change of the heart, we also use the brain. The heart is the seat of desire. That's what we aim to change through the study, right? As we just read. But we also use the brain to organize the ideas. The brain is used to organize the ideas, to compare desires. It's like a secretary. So we don't let the secretary make the big decisions, right, for the company. But we rely on it to put things in order, prioritize, uh, make the right connections between things, compare, see what, what I have, what I don't have, what I lack. This, uh, this um, analysis of the desire can happen with the help of the brain. But it's a tool used by the desire, not the other way around. So if my desire is to reach bestow, to reach spirituality, then I can use the brain in this way to manage my feelings, my desires. If my desire is an egoistic one, then my brain is going to work extra hard to fulfill my egoistic desires. It's always, that's how it works. So, uh, so we'll read a little bit from, this is the sort of the, for, the intro to the inner observation. As I explained last week, uh, two weeks ago, so you have the words of the Ari, and then Basalam writes his commentary. But Basalam also wrote this special section called Inner Observation. And this really brings the student into the, the right perception of reality, the sensation of reality. This is really the part where a lot of kind of pennies are dropped. So uh, I'm going to read it. You're going to hear me read a lot. So kind of brace yourself, make yourself comfortable. Take down questions, and uh, we'll, we'll read this introduction. It's not long; it's two pages, and then we're going to get into the a few sections from the actual inner observation. This is very, very powerful stuff. 
it really, it's again, it's just a taste. I apologize. We only have no time. But it will give you a sense of the depth that this can go. And if you want, we can we can do another couple of explants simply on this. Uh, or you can start your studying and, and gradually come to study tests. So, first we must know, oh, yes, you can, well, I don't know how to get rid of myself there. So, trust me. First, we must know that when dealing with spiritual matters which have no concern with time, space, or motion, and moreover, when dealing with godliness, we do not have the words by which to contemplate and express. Our entire vocabulary is taken from sensations of imaginary senses. Thus, how can they assist us where sense and imagination do not reign? For example, if you take the subtlest of words, namely lights, it nonetheless resembles and borrows from the light of the sun or an emotional light of contentment. Thus, how can they be used to express godly matters? They would certainly fail to provide the reader with anything true. It is even truer in a place where these words should disclose the negotiations in the wisdom in print, as is done in any research of wisdom. If we fail even a single inadequate word, the reader will be instantly disoriented and will not find his hands or legs in this whole matter. For this reason, the sages of Kabbalah have chosen a special language that we call the language of the branches. There is not an essence or conduct of an essence in this world that does not derive from its root in the upper world. Moreover, the beginning of every being in this world starts from the upper world and then hangs down to this world. Thus, the sages have found an adequate language without trouble by which they could convey their attainments to each other by word of mouth and in writing from generation to generation. They have taken the names of the branches in this world where each name is self-explanatory, as though pointing to its upper root in the system of the upper worlds. That should appease your mind regarding the perplexing expressions we often find in books of Kabbalah, and some that are even foreign to the human spirit. It is because once they have chosen this language to express themselves, namely the language of the branches, they could no longer leave a branch unused because of its inferior degree. They could not avoid using it to express the desired concept when our world suggests no other branch to be taken in its place. It's not a matter of poetic license or I shouldn't say this or I should say that. And when you go into tests, you'll find uh, descriptions that are that, that sound so sexual. There's kissing and embracing and coupling and from the front and from the rear and all those things that make you blush, some of you. And... It's because they are ob obligated to use these exact terms because they describe actual relations in relationships in spiritual matters. So that's the, how brilliant it is. Just as two hairs do not feed off the same for, uh, foramen, so we do not have two branches that relate to the same root. It is also impossible to exterminate the object in the wisdom that is related to that inferior expression. Such a loss would inflict impairment and great confusion in the entire scope of the wisdom, since there is no other wisdom in the world where matters are so intermingled through cause and effect, reason and consequence, as in the wisdom of Kabbalah, where matters are interconnected and tied to each other from top to bottom like one long chain. Thus there is no freedom of will here to switch or replace the bad names 
with better ones. None. We must always provide the exact branch that points to its upper root and elaborate on it until the accurate definition is provided for the scrutinizing readers. Indeed, those whose eyes have not been opened to the sights of heaven and have not acquired the proficiency in the connections of the branches of this world with their roots in the upper worlds are like the blind scraping the walls. They will not understand the true meaning of even a single word, for each word is a name of a branch that relates to its root. Only if they receive an interpretation from a genuine sage who makes himself available to explain the matter in the spoken language, which is necessarily like translating from one language to another, meaning from the language of the branches to the spoken language, only then he will be able to explain the spiritual term as it is. This is what I have troubled to do in this interpretation, to explain the tense field as the godly sage Diari had instructed us in their spiritual purity, devoid of any tangible terms. Thus any beginner may approach the wisdom without failing in any materialization or mistake. With the understanding of these tense field, one will also come to examine and know how to comprehend the rest of the issues in this wisdom. So those are those are just the um, the opening words of um, of the um, inner observation, and we'll read more. I'll take a couple of questions. Uh, also, I wanted to say that we're going to be reading from um, inner observation, and I'm going to put it in the chat here. Um, hold on. Here, put it in the chat. Also here. So you can find it. That's what we're going to be reading from. So you can you can kind of follow. Um, one more thing before we begin to read. Oh, I, so I'll take some questions. So, Luis, how come Baal Salam is quoting the Bible? What is its relevance? Great question. So, all the all the sacred texts, let's call it, starting from. Sorry, let me backtrack. Every Kabbalist in attainment, starting from Adam, who was the first Kabbalist wrote a book they left a book to their successors to the next group that will come after them and they all left books so adam left a book called raziel amalach the angel raziel angel is a force of nature not angel right force of nature so he left uh, a book on that um, abraham left left a book sefer Etzira, the book of creation uh, every kabbalist left a book for us and as i said it's, it will be hard for us to understand those books. But um, luckily we have teachers. However, the probably one of the most famous books that was left was left by Moses, another great Kabbalist. And he left the book uh, after a very a momentous change, which is the when the people of Israel left Egypt. That story is not a story, a historic tale, or a geographic tale, it's a description of the transformation from reception to bestowal, crossing from the being slaves of the ego, of the will to receive, into bestowal. Well, first into the desert, rising above the ego, bestow in order to bestow, as we say, and then later receive in order to bestow, the full power of uh, Kabbalah, how to receive, right? That book is called the Bible. And that book is, again, it's a manual for that transformation. 
So when they speak about people and places and things that happen, those are all changes inside of a person. That's what this book is about. That's why you understand now, maybe you begin to understand why it's one of the most widely read books in the world and the most misunderstood book in the world. Because without a proper sage to explain to you the the spiritual root of every one of those words, you'll just translate them as words of this world. That's the mistake. You lack, we lack the key. So we took the, the code and we use it as if it's the actual language, right? It's like you, you probably remember when you played the kids, you played the, you had like encryption rings, right? Your serial, some of you from the US probably know it, right? So it's like you write, uh, you're at some nonsense and someone thinks, oh, the nonsense is the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study the nonsense. No, it's a code. You need a key. So the key is, uh, if you have a teacher, you can understand the key. Without a teacher, very confusing. So you'll find Kabbalists, like Baal always refer to uh, the Bible, because the Bible is one of the most comprehensive books. It's the most complete manual, so to speak, that covers everything. It covers the method from the beginning all the way to the end, including all the different corrections, all the minute details of correction in the world to receive. The other books that came, like the Talmud and the Mishnah, they also do the same thing, but they sound like a collection of laws. And they're studied, in fact, as books of law. And people derive a lot of great insight into human law, but it's also widely misunderstood. And it's it's one of the most detailed accounts of the transition of the will to receive from reception to bestowal. So Kabbalists, especially the later Kabbalists, the ones that we study from Baal Sulam and Rabash, they bring you concepts from the Bible, from the Talmud, from our sages, from these other books, and they expound on them, they interpret them for us. So understand the inner meaning. Sometimes one line, you can have a full article just for us to grasp what was given in this one line. That's how deep it is. Uh, Julie, Julie, does one come into this reality with a set number of corrections to be done in that life or is it done over many existences? It's done over many existences. Many, many, many existences. However, when you awaken, technically speaking, you are capable of doing all the corrections and, and reaching spirituality. But then the work doesn't end. But you can you can technically do this and you don't have to reincarnate to this level, okay? Um, to, to exist in within the, in the, the will to receive uh, on this level. Start like, like an animal, basically, and work your way up. But until then, everything is kind of, it's all corrections. Everything in the world are corrections. It's all minute corrections from the still level, even those still level desires in you, through the vegetative, animate levels, all the way to the speaking levels. Paul, uh, so light was there from the beginning, pure bestowal, and we have to reflect it, mirror it, by what exactly? God deeds, conscious, beneficial actions. Good question. We're going to read now in the Inner Observation. He talks exactly about the beginning state. And I'll give you a hint. The, the way you reflect the light back, the way you sort of bestow back the light, is through a, um, a thing called the screen. Masach, a screen. Like a mirror that reflects the light, which is a new attitude that you want to have. Instead of the attitude of give me, which is your natural, intuitive, instinctive attitude of the will to receive, give me, give me, the attitude is, no, I don't want to receive anything because by receiving I fall back into, I stay within my ego. I want to be in contact with you, 
with the Creator, with the upper force of love and bestowal. So I want to give you everything. Whatever you give me, I want to give you back. And I'm only going to receive a tiny bit if while receiving I can still maintain the connection to you. It's a little bit like eating a, an amazing meal, the best meal you can imagine, and all the while thinking about, oh my God, who cooked this meal? It's amazing. I can't even taste the meal. It's so I'm so amazed by the love of the chef. I just want to let him know that I'm eating every bite for him, to make him happy, to show him that I'm, uh, I'm enjoying his food. I feel his effort, his love. It's impossible. You'll start to eat, you forget about it. You'll remember at the end of the meal. Uh, and in fact, it's in everything in life, you'll see that we're, we'll quickly fall back into the will to receive. That's how powerful it is. That's why you need a group, by the way. But we're digressing. Uh, may, all lives matter. I was asking, maybe, maybe like the brain is the dial and our soul is the receiver. Um, it's probably more correct to see the brain as a receiver. Okay? And the soul is a higher state that you can connect to if you activate, if you use the receiver the right way. Uh, there's more to that. Um, we'll get, remind me a little later. And then Keith is asking, I like reading all wise scriptures, but after I saw Israel on YouTube being racist to Africans, I lost respect for Israel. Let me tell you something. Everybody in the world is an egoist and will do everything to benefit themselves at the expense of everyone else. The people, the physical people who live in physical Israel are no different than anyone else. The only difference is many of them have a memory, a reshimo, a recollection from a state where they once were connected and were in bestowal. And that's why the correction starts from Israel. But Israel are not the people who live physically in Israel. Israel, let's go to the our little translation board. Where is it? Uh, uh, here, Israel. Equals Yashar. The English is, is bad, but it's basically Isra means Yashar. Okay. Yashar straight. L. Plus the creator. So Israel means, means straight to the creator. The people who have that desire, who want to reach the creator, they're called Israel. If you have the desire, you're Israel. I have the desire, I'm Israel. People who study Kabbalah and want to correct the world and correct our desire and reach the state of bestowal and connect with the Creator and bring that light to the rest of humanity, those are Israel. Everyone else is just a person living life, doing exactly what, they, what anyone else in their situation would do. There's no one better or worse in the world. Uh, you'll find the most advanced countries in civilizations have perpetrated the worst crimes in all of reality okay germany was the most advanced country on earth and it we know what it did america is the most advanced country on earth and we see what it's doing it's involved in every possible war in the 20th century after world war america has a hand in it um, russia every country that's advanced enough will also reach a, a state of cruelty because it's the it's it's a an expression of the will to receive the uncorrected will to receive so I would recommend to turn off the news and focus on your relationship to uh, the spiritual uh, text. That's much uh, a much better connection. Uh, so before we, I, I, I do want to, wow, time flies. I, I want to do a little bit of reading. So I'll just remind us what Baal Salam says. He says, although they do not understand what they are learning, through the yearning and the great desire to understand what they are learning, 
they awaken upon themselves the lights that surround their souls. This is probably one of the most important lines to remember from the introduction to Tess. Although we do not understand what we're learning, because we have a, a desire to understand it, not with our brain, we have a desire to understand it. I really want to. I'm not going to try to try to put one and one together. A little bit of that, but that's not going to give me the understanding, the connection to the wisdom. I want that. I want this wisdom to clothe in me. I want to feel what the writer is writing about. That desire will give you the desired, the desired results. Okay, so um, I think oh, this is it. Okay, good. So uh, let let us uh, go to the reading, and we'll read from. Hold on. Here. Good. Um, all right. So we'll try to read, running out of time, but we'll read a little bit. Um, so chapter one relates to chapter one from DRE and he says know that before the emanated beings were emanated and the created beings created an upper simple light had filled the whole of reality these words require explanation how is there a reality that the simple light had filled before the worlds were emanated also the matter of the ascent of the desire in order to be restricted so as to bring to light the perfection of his deeds it is implied in the book that there was already some deficiency there also, the issue of the middle point in him, where the restriction occurred, is also quite perplexing, for he had already said that there is neither beginning nor end there. So how is there a middle? Indeed, these words are deeper than the sea, and I must therefore elaborate on their interpretation. So Baal just gives us a little heads up. Restriction, middle point, all those things. Where is this thing? Where is this happening? Is it a physical space? There's no physical space. This is before, before even our reality, our physical reality. So where is this all happening? So he writes, There is not one thing in the whole of reality that is not contained in Ein Sof. Okay, That's the word that Kabbalists use to describe the closest they can describe the Creator. The, uh, the contradicting terms in our world are contained in Him in the form of one, unique and unified. Echad yachid yuchad in Hebrew. Again, in Hebrew, the, the, the language is a little more related because it's, because it's derived from the spiritual roots. So that's the only reason why I recommend you learn some Hebrew. It helps. But we'll try our best with, with English. So he says, Know that there is not an essence of a single being in the world, both the one perceived by our senses and the ones perceived by our mind's eye, that is not included in the Creator, for they all come to us from Him, and can one give that which is not in Him? Can one give that which is not in Him? Basically, anything you can think about, anything you can imagine, anything you can ever conceive in your mind's eye, it's all coming from Him. There's not a single original thought in us because we are a result of Him. And you cannot, Im you cannot imagine something that is not already contained in you. So if it's contained in us and we're contained in him, it all comes from him. So that's kind of uh, the axiom of, of creation. This matter has already been thoroughly explained in the books, but we must understand the concepts that are separated or opposite for us. 
such as the term wisdom is regarded as different from the term sweetness, as wisdom and sweetness are two separate terms. Similarly, the term operator certainly differs from the term operation. The operator and its operation are necessarily two separate concepts. In our reality, they are. If I build a machine, then there's me and there's the machine. And I'm, I have a relationship to it, you know, this thing that I constructed. And has some of my qualities in it, but it's a separate entity. Not so in the creator, right? And he continues, it is even more so with opposite terms such as sweet and bitter. These are certainly discerned as separate. However, in him, wisdom pleasure, sweetness, and acerbity, operation, operator, and other such different and opposite forms are all contained as one in his simple light. There are no differentiations among them whatsoever, as in the term one, unique, and unified. That's what Kabbalists refer to the Creator as one, unique, and unified. Not just one, not just all, one, and he explains what it is. One indicates a single evenness. Think about the words. Unique implies that everything that extends from him, all these multiplicities are in him as single as his self. Unified shows that although he performs the multiple operations, one, form, one force performs all these, and they all return and unite in the form of one. Indeed, this one form swallows all the forms that appear in his operations. This is a very subtle matter, and not every mind can tolerate it. Nachmanides explained to us the matter of his uniqueness as one, unique, and unified. These are his words in his commentary on the book of creation, the book of Abraham. So this is his commentary on that book. There is a difference between one, unique, and unified. When he unites to act with one force, he is called unified. When he divides to act his act... Each part of him is called unique. When he is in a single evenness, he is called one. Thus far his pure words. So when, when he acts as one thing, that's, this, that's the unified, right? When each, when, when, when towards us, it's all towards the receivers. Everything that we learn is relative to us. Also the language is relative to us. Okay, it's very important to remember this. It's all relative to my experience. So when we experience this unified action, this is called unified. When we experience discrete actions, seemingly I have rain coming here and lightning, electricity, and my boss shouting and this war happening here, these are called unique actions. And when he's in a single evenness, he's called one. Okay, again, it's probably not as clear as it should be, but it's the beginning of something. Let it wash you over. Interpretation. Unites to act with one force means that his operations differ from each other and he seems to be doing good and bad. At that time he is called unique, since all his different operations have a single outcome, doing good. This is very important. Kabbalists tell us that the Creator is the good who does good. And that's another thing that our mind refuses to accept. What do you mean that good who does good? This war in Ukraine, is that, is that good? Hunger in whatever, India, is that good? Shooting in school, is that good? It's not good in an absolute terms, but it's all leading to the good. It's all good if we could see the end result, the end goal. If we can see the beginning of creation, the end of creation, 
the beginning of the thought, the end of the action, all of that conspires to good. The process for the will to receive is not always felt as good. But it's like trying to eat a sour apple because it's not ripe yet. So is it bad? I should destroy the apple? No. It's in the process of developing. And this is an important thing. Uh, because in the process of development, in the process of going from the beginning of the film to the end of the film, there are a lot of very difficult scenes, but they all conspire to bring us to the good result at the end. And it's not like a film because we are part of it. So we are also our experience in this life and all the other lifetimes that we experience all together bring us to this feeling of good. This is hard to grasp and, and agree with initially. But it's okay. He continues. I won't just finish this chapter. He finds that his uniqueness, he's unique, I'm sorry, in every single act and does not change by his different operations. So that's another thing. Even though you see all these different actions, he, the creator, does not change because of that. It's not like we have different, the God of thunder and the God of, no, it's the one God, the one creator, the one force. But to us, he's, he appears as unique actions. When he's in a single in, in single evenness, meaning one, it points to his self. For in him, all the opposites are in single evenness, as written above. It is as Maimonides wrote, in him, the one who knows, the known and the knowledge are one. For his thoughts are far higher than our thoughts, and his ways from our ways. That was chapter one of Inner Observation. I don't know if we'll have time for chapters. We have some questions. I'll do, let's do some questions. Sam is asking, do the people of Israel, Jews, believe that they are not the chosen ones as told in Kabbalah? Uh, you'll have to ask the people in Israel. I can tell you that uh, probably ask 10 people, you get 10 different answers. There is a, um, a perception or, or a sentiment, especially among reli more religious Jews, of Jews being the chosen people. But chosen for what, by whom, in what way, what does it mean? This is completely concealed from everyone. Uh, people have a, a general um, intuition about it. Uh, so, you know, in a, in a way thinking, well, it's, a, it's about being moral. It's about doing the right thing. It's about caring about other people, about human rights, etc., etc. All those are corporeal discernments. And we're talking about chosen as in there's a group of people out of all the nations of the world, representatives from every nation in Babylon 3,500 years ago, decided to join Abraham and learn how to rise above the ego, the grown ego, and connect in love above it. In the, according to the law of love covers all transgressions. These people were, were later would later become the Jewish nation, representatives of all other nations, chosen to be the conduits of this method to the rest of humanity, not chosen to receive some special attitude, rather an important component in the system of nature that must perform a certain function for the rest of the world to advance to the next level. So that's why you cannot destroy these people because nature needs it, the system needs it, the Creator needs that group of people. Not necessarily the, the bodies of those people, but a certain group that will be able to learn the method, apply the method, teach the method, show by example the method. You need that because that's how change happens. It change, change always happens gradually. So you need that group to start this process. That's why they're chosen 
for that role. It's a responsibility. It's a service. It's not some, hey, you were chosen. Where's the buffet? You know, none, none of that. Um, so uh, just another word on that since you asked. Because the Jews as a nation have um, developed their ego, developed the method of correction, um, they were always open to receiving, to accepting other people. In fact, many great Jewish teachers and leaders were not born Jewish, right? Rabbi Akiva, King David, who came from his grandma who wasn't Jewish, a lot of other people. Uh, they were not Jews in the, in the traditional sense of, oh, I was born to a Jewish mother or a Jewish father or whatever was the, you know, the, the law of the land at that time. No, because a Jew comes from the word, you, oh, here's another one for our, for our thing. Um, we're going to do it here. So, Jew equals Yehudi from the word Yehud. Unity. That's what a Jew is. So if you have that desire, Yeshar El, straight to the Creator. What does it mean to be united, Yehudi? That, that's th those are those people, uh, and so people can keep come coming into this uh, into this fold by growing that desire and learning how to apply it. Uh, will this world anytime be in balance, or will this be an everlasting process of good and bad? No, it has to be. In fact, uh, we have about six thousand years for the whole um, process, so we're like in the last couple hundred years, uh, and we can hasten the time. We don't need to wait. Meaning, it's up to us. If you decide to do it, great. You help promote it, disseminate it uh, with the right instruction, of course, and guidance. More people will wake up to it, will understand their place in the system, and will also want to join this. Uh, as I said, we're in the time of the general correction. So everybody's going to have to realize it. The war in Ukraine is showing us that one nation cannot rule another nation, cannot coerce another nation to, to, to do something. Those days are over. We cannot do it. Uh, one ego cannot bend another ego. No more. Nature will not allow it. We have to learn what it means to actually unite and work against the growing ego. Not one ego against another, but all of us, the part in us that wants to bestow and unite, rising above our growing egos. Looking at the ego as the, uh, the source of our problems and uniting against that and not one group against the other. So this is a process of education. Humanity is learning. Nature is helping. But it's a slow process, but we can accelerate it. Paul, the method of Kabbalah presupposes a problem to correct, but it is only in our minds, and we cannot comprehend the problem. Seems like a paradox. What to do then? It's not in your mind. It's right before your eyes. Uh, it's in your perception. If you, I'll tell you more than that, the problem is only in your perception. You perceive the world through your will to receive. You are wearing broken glasses and therefore you see a broken reality. Reality is not broken. Everything is in perfect order. It is your desire that is egoistic, that twists and distorts what you see. And that's what you see all the stuff around you, the suffering and the killing and the pain and all of that. It's simply an expression of your uncorrected desire. Everything you see in the world is your subconscious mind if you will, all your uncorrected desires, they're sort of displayed before you in, in the outside world all around you. And when you correct yourself, the whole reality is going to be corrected. We're all just waiting for you.
Johnny, if I learn Kabbalah without a group like watching these videos, will I still draw the light? Probably not. And I say probably because you probably can draw some light. And guess what? Not all of humanity needs to become Kabbalists. Just like not all of humanity needs to become doctors in order for us to enjoy the benefits of medicine. Or not everybody needs to become an engineer for us to all use a phone. So there's room for Kabbalists. And then, but then Kabbalists will have to create the system by which everyone can be under the influence of the light. But everyone will have to consciously participate in it. If you're here, you're likely ready to kind of be part of the, the doctors of the world, right? The engineers, the, the, the pioneers, the Kabbalists. Uh, and that work, to do that, you need a group because the, the, the light works on the connection with another person, not on you. The, what's broken is our connection with each other, not us by ourselves. We're not objectively broken. We're subjectively broken because our connection is broken. Crystal, what time is it? Uh, so, does that, does that mean that all music and songs were already written by the Creator? Yes! Everything is already written, everything is already pre-planned, predetermined, it's, it all already exists. However, to reveal it into the world, that happens through each, uh, each unique person who, who is alive, right? It's a process of cascading, and we haven't, you know, we haven't read, we probably, next time we'll probably read the first episode, chapter of Etzchaim, um, and, and then go to the inner observation, because he, he explains how it's a process of cascading and concealment. Olam from the word Ha'alama, concealment. Uh, here, Olam, Olam, world, from con, concealment. So the whole process of creation is really the creator making, sort of re retreating from a certain space and saying, this will be empty of me. That's the act of creation, creating existence out of absence, a deficiency, a deficient place that doesn't feel the creator's abundance. And everything else is now in relationship with, this, with the upper light. So the will to receive is developing inside this bubble that the creator has already set and all the laws are in place and everything, the machine is going, is working. The place where we can be, be, begin to be independent and create something truly new is when we cross into bestowal. That's when we can actually become like the Creator. Adam from the word Dome, similar to the Creator. And when we do that, we can also create something new. But we're not there yet. Nicole, please, I'd like to know what book you are reading from. Can I buy it? Thanks. Uh, the the book, uh, I don't have, okay. I put a link in the chat, Nicole, uh, for, you can find the text in Kabbalah Media. Okay, that's the place where all of our archived information. Um, there's not a printed version of the English text, but most of it is translated into English online. So that's your, you know, the, the place to start. And I put the link in the chat. Lisa, can you consider, the, okay, I'm missing the rest of the word. Jews were chosen to be priests of God, right? Uh, yes, uh, in short, Jews are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And we'll end with that. Holy nation. What is holy? Holy means separate. Okay, separate from what? From reception. So when you separate something from reception, you put it, this, like, this will be 
bestow in bestow in order to bestow this desire i will receive in order to bestow when the light does that for you you create something holy that's where holy comes from it's not like holy it's like divine holy it will you know it will uh, rain whatever unicorns on you no it's it's separate kadosh in hebrew holy means separate i sanctify it i i separate it from the rest like i said this is special to me that's holy and so a holy nation a nation is a group of people is a desi collective desire holy nation is a desire that is in bestowal and a kingdom of priests is again a priest is someone who learned how to already correct all his desires and is only working in bestowal meaning everything i do every action i do is in bestowal when you read in the bible whoever asked about the bible read about the work of the priests in the temple this is all describing spiritual work sacrifice korban from the word karov the word to bring closer i bring certain desires closer others i pull away i separate i sanctify i sing i teach i praise these are all works with the desire uh can we consider doing this live class twice a week uh, i'll ask uh couple explain simply is once a week but all this great stuff you get into it in kabu and the grad environment uh, definitely follow the links and, and we'll meet there uh, for sure last question if the world is already planned how can we speed up the process as you said you need to find a group and you need to learn how to draw the light correct those desires and also how to what does it mean to disseminate this is what we do really in kabbalah we work in the group with this text the source material and our teacher we learn how to correct our desires how to draw the light on those desires to correct them to reveal what's broken correct that and also how to teach it how to bring it to other people on different levels that's it it's 904 uh, israel time 204 eastern time uh, that's all the time we've got uh, i'm happy that we like it if uh, you really really like it uh, we can have another one um kabbalah explained simply on test part three we'll go deeper into inner observation uh, i think it's worth it uh, and um the rest of you i'll see you on the exclusive zoom if you're in kabu you can get to the exclusive zoom also i know that there's a um i know that there's a um, uh, there's a link somewhere Ruth will help me out on the chat. There's a link to the Kabbalah experience, a, a special, intense eight-hour day, uh, the end of June, June 26th, that we will dedicate to all those things, plus more like what is it, how does it, why, to, why this time today in this world is the best time for unlocking all the spiritual potential everyone has, why this is happening now, what to do with it, how to work with it, how to connect with other like-minded people, uh, what is what are the principles of the circle, the power of the circle, how does that happen in Kabbalah and other things. It'll be a real um, kind of a real introductory day. It's not an intro lecture, it's going to be an introductory, introductory, introductory day. You'll, you'll get exposed to different aspects of the wisdom and how we teach it and how it happens and all the people in there. And you can decide if you want to continue more and join our retreat in September. So thank you very much. Uh, you've been great. I wish we had more time, and I'll see you next time.